This is Engage 2.0. Welcome back to Engage 2.0. I am Brother Edie and joining me is... Brother Colin DeVoe. How are you doing? And we are going to continue in our series, The Law. And we're going to look at the topic today, Law of God in the New Testament. So if you're just joining us for this podcast, we say welcome. So before we go any further, we're going to ask Brother Colin to send us into a word of prayer. Brother Colin. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment where we can share the word of God with our podcast audience. We pray that God's word be uplifted and whatever be said be in the honor of Him and that His name be exalted. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus came to set men and women free from a yoke of bondage. Paul says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.1 Several passages of scripture indicate a yoke of bondage having been placed on the people that was hard to bear. You can read Matthew chapter 23 verse 14, Acts chapter 15 verse 10, Galatians chapter 2 verse 4, and also 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 19. However, a yoke of bondage was not God's moral law. So we're going to find out what was that yoke of bondage uh, as it pertains to um, the people that was hard to bear. So let us go into our questions now. Question number one. Which of the Ten Commandments could be obliterated? So we're going to go through them one by one, um, A through H, and see which one could be done away with or obliterated. Certainly not the first, for this would give sanction to polytheism, and the blood of Christ could not save men if they believed in many gods. So in our last podcast in God's Law in the Old Testament, I will leave a link in the description so you can listen or view that podcast. Uh, we talked about um, finding the law of God before they were given to Moses at Mount Sinai, which the world believed because of that they were only for the Jews. But as we went through the scriptures, we found out um, they were given before uh, Moses got those from Mount Sinai, uh, from the Lord. And so, um, commandment number one dealt with worship to the true God. It stated, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We see that um, this whole episode that the worship of many gods um, when God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, which is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, we found out that God is trying to protect us, not even not even trying to be, even though the Bible says God is a jealous God in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, God is not only being jealous for, um, for uh, selfish reasons, but He's being jealous because He's trying to protect us mm -hmm. from the burden of sin. And you notice that when we tend to worship all these other gods that have no eyes and that have no ears, like the psalmist says in 115 verses 1 to 9, you realize that we are robbing ourselves of the beauty of life and the gifts of life that God has given to us. So when we place God, we put a burden, another God, I should say, we put a burden upon ourselves. 
So I would say that to worship the true God is liberty, mm-hmm. but to worship these other gods is bondage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also find that in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus, after his baptism, went into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, and to be tempted of the devil, we find that one of the things that the devil actually, or Satan, wanted Christ to do was to bow down and worship him. And I'm going to pick it up from verse um, 9. In fact, I'm going to pick it up from verse 8. And it says, And again, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him, talking to Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now watch Jesus' response. Verse 10, Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So we find that Jesus quoted scripture. He quoted from the commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods other than God. And so this was the word that he stood upon when Satan wanted worship from Jesus or recognizing him as supreme. So we find that that law had not been done away with because Jesus quoted the very same scripture as Brother Cardin alluded to in Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 and 3. Now let us look at B. This also, this is also true with regards to the second commandment. People who bow down to images need the gospel and the blood of Christ. And as we just stated just now, um, that um, Satan wanted Jesus to fall down, which is his words exactly, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so we find that connected with the second commandment is the worship of images and statues. And we see in some religions that is a practice, but it's a practice that the Bible condemns because it's worshipping falsely. And um, we know that when um, for example, Abraham or Moses in those days, or even Noah, were to worship God. They erected an altar, which they didn't chisel out of stone or fashion into their liking. They just used the rough rocks, um, set it up in uh, as an altar, and gave God thanks um, by burning clean um, animals as a sin, as a um, sacrifice unto God. And it was a sweet smelling savor unto God. So we find that here to bow down and to worship any other um, person other than God is false worship. We also find something similar in Daniel chapter 2 when in the dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar, he couldn't understand it and the wise men couldn't help him understand it. And Daniel through prayer and fasting got the meaning from God and related to the king what the, the dream meant. And then in chapter 3, we find that Nebuchadnezzar, in defiance of what was told him in this dream, he made this image all of gold. Now, this image had the head of gold, the breast and arms of silver, the belly and thigh of brass, and the legs of iron, and then the feet mixed with iron and clay. But Nebuchadnezzar took the, that image or that imagery, what he saw in his dream, and made it all of gold. 
And then something something amazing that he stated, he wanted all those who came from all um, four quarters of his region at a particular time. And he said that um, when you would hear uh, the sound of the music, you were to bow down and worship the image. Um, you can read that in Daniel chapter 3 verse 15 and beyond. But here is the response uh, from the three worthy who did not uh, bow to this image. I'll take it from verse 18. It says, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. So notice, these young men, while in uh, captivity, because they were the, the Jews were, or the Israelites, were taken captive under Nebuchadnezzar, um, and they were, as you would say, um, prisoners uh, of war. But they, too, even under those circumstances, stood true to the God of heaven and did not bow down and worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up for them to, to worship. And so they stood their ground upon the law of God, which condemns image worship and worshiping of other gods. I just want to add two things onto that. I'm going to take it too long. And two voices of the scriptures. One is that um, in Exodus chapter 23, verse 27 says, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works. But thou shalt other overthrow them and quite break down their image. God is telling you not to fall down to this image and not to worship this image. But I'm, I'm taking a little step further. I want to take you to another text inside Psalms chapter 81 verse 9. It says, There shall no strange gods be in thee. Now listen to that part. There shall be no strange god in thee. Neither shall thou worship any strange gods. There shall be no strange god in thee. In other words, you yourself should not call yourself a god. Mm -hmm. Self-worship must mm -hmm. be taken away. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things we now face in our society. So right then, we create an image of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The other part of it says, then you should not worship those, these other gods. And the reason why God is emphasizing that you should not worship this image, because whenever man tends to go and leave or put away God, they always create another form or another image to worship. Mm -hmm. We also saw that example with the um, with Aaron when he made the golden calf. Right. When the children of Israel disobeyed God and they and Moses was up in the mountain and when Moses came back down, the golden calf was right there. So they wanted to create another image. And now they had to replace God with something else. Right. And we can see that all through history. Mm -hmm. And God keeps reminding us that we don't need to do that. Because only God gives us liberty. Only God who have created us have given us the freedom. That's why um, Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says, Who changed the truth, the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature? more than the Creator, right. who is blessed forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why are we worshiping the creature? Mm -hmm. Why are we worshiping the things that we create with our hands when we can worship the Creator? When we, descend, when we try to worship the creature or the things that we worship our hand, we always find ourselves in bondage to them. What is the bondage? We have to sacrifice our life. Right. Mm -hmm. This is this, this is what Satan wants. When you worship Satan, Satan wants you to sacrifice your life. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when you worship God, God gives you what? Life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's also a story um, in Acts chapter 19 from verse 24 
I'm going to start it says for a certain man named Demetrius a silversmith which made silver shrines for Diana brought no small gain unto the craftsmen whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said sirs ye know that that by this craft notice it was a skill a craft we have our wealth so he's saying by this by this this talent this 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 um craft skill we have our wealth or we make money Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul, Paul of Tarsus, hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. <laughs> so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. So notice here now, there's a cry out because Paul is preaching and teaching that these are no gods, that there's a true God in heaven that they should worship. And because now persons are turning away from false worship, idol worship, they're turning into the true and living God, it, it, it hinders them from making their money. Notice they're concerned about their, their, their pockets. Okay. And so he goes to call a council with all those other craft makers and, and idol makers. And they say, listen, our wealth is being jeopardized. And we need to do something because persons are turning away from the temple of the great goddess, that which, by the way, that they made. So it can't be that great if they're making them, right? Turning them away from the false worship to the true worship. And this is the whole point of commandment number two. It prohibits us, like you said um, earlier, even making ourselves idols and gods. All right, there's the only true and living God, and only Him, as Jesus rightly told Satan in um, Matthew chapter four, only Him, God, the true and living God, uh, shall we serve. All right, so let's look at C. Jesus spoke of the binding obligations of the third commandment. Let us read Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-four, and James five, verse twelve. So let's take the former first. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 34. It reads, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. And James chapter 5 verse 12 says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your nay be nay, and your nay nay, lest, him, lest he fall into a condemnation. So we find that um, the binding claims of commandment number three, and that actually says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And so we find that um, when persons will use these statements to prove their innocence or to say how honest they are, but yet um, they have malicious designs in their heart to, to perform. And this is what we talked about in our last podcast about uh, not only cursing and swearing using God's name loosely, but also in your character. In your character, exactly. if you claim to be uh, a Christian or a follower of Christ and his ways, then by all means, um, perform your oaths um, diligently and truly and honestly. Do not use deceptive messages and means because God is not a liar. So he can't use deception. He, he's, he speaks truth. And everything he's truthful and he wants us as people to do exactly as he did to be truthful and honest in all our interdealings with one another and when it comes to God. Um, there's an example in the book of Acts that I want our attention to be turned to. 
and it relates to um, um, a couple who tried to be deceitful, and they, and they were Christians. Um, Acts chapter 5, and it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So they had something and they sold it, and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, and bought a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. In this case, it was Peter. And, but Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan, why of who? Satan filled thine heart or thy mind to lie to the Holy Ghost and kept back and, and to keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied unto men but unto God? And another and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. So notice um, two things. Here, that they had a possession of land, and they sold it. And rather than giving Peter the possession of all the, the, the funds from which they sold the land, they kept back part of it, as to say, this is all that we had, and they kept back portion of it for themselves. But notice with two things that, that, that Peter said. It said, one, Satan filled thine heart or thy mind to lie. And two, you didn't lie unto Peter. Even though it was given to Peter, Peter said, you lied unto the Holy Ghost. So notice, the Holy Ghost is a witness to the transaction. And Peter said to them, they didn't do this thing unto man. They did it unto God. And so when we do all our transactions, we must be um, honest in all things because there's God watches even though we can't see him we can't see the Holy Ghost as Jesus says but Nicodemus just like the wind when someone is born again of the Holy Spirit you don't know what intention that God has for that individual just as we don't see which direction the wind is coming from but we can feel it so the same thing when we make our business transactions or any dealings under the Sun we can't see the Holy Spirit but he's there taking witness hearing every word seeing every account of what we do and I pray my friends that we're honest in all our dealings because it's going to come back and haunt us later you know buddy you cover so much i don't know i just want to say one little short thing on that um you dealt with the characteristics of god and people don't understand one of the people always want to know what god's name is and our last podcast we dealt with that and we started highlight and i hope later on as we talk about the christian characteristics yeah, yeah. that we go more in depth into it i want to say that once we commit our life or we say we are a child of God or carry the name Christian, we are now proclaiming the name of God. Mm -hmm. That name is proclaimed in his character. And mm -hmm. his character is revealed in his what? His commandments. Mm -hmm. So when you take on God's commandment, you are now revealing the characteristics of God. Yes, we cannot do it in our own strength, but we can do it through Jesus Christ. And that's why when God said in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Mm -hmm. In other words, when you say you be holding or you have the characteristics of God, don't take that in vain. Mm -hmm. You hold up to that standard. Mm -hmm. You try to live up to that standard. Because what? God is proclaiming you. And when he claims you, he be claiming you to be what? His ambassador on right. earth. Mm -hmm. His representatives to man. Mm -hmm. And what people want to see, people are looking for the image 
of God. Mm-hmm. Whether we believe it or not, when you keep the character, when you hold the commands of God, you are now proclaiming the name of God. So don't say you are a Christian when you are not living it up to the standard. Mm-hmm. That's why we just heard when he said that don't make God a lie. Let your nay be what? Nay. And, and let your yay be, be yay. That's right. Amen. Alright, so let's look at um, D now. To do away with the fourth commandment would be to take away one of the greatest blessings of God to man. Jesus kept the Sabbath. You can read Luke chapter 4 verse 16. Mark chapter 2 verse 27. The Sabbath is as perpetual as eternity. Read Isaiah 66 verse 22 and 23. Let us look at Mark chapter 2 verse 27. Because uh, that is usually taken out of its context. But I just want to read it into record so we can understand what God is saying versus what he's not saying. Um, Mark chapter 2 verse 27. And it says, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. I'll add verse 28. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So, um... One, uh, which day is he claiming here? Which day is he claiming to be the, the Sabbath? Brother Edie, you look like they're trying to say he's claiming Sunday, eh? <laughs> no, but we know that the day they claim to be the day, the true day of the Sabbath is actually Saturday or the seventh day. Yeah, so, so, so here the, the, he's claiming that the Sabbath here is the seventh day. Now, uh, we know that earlier, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in verse, 20, um, verse 23 to 24, I'm going to read that into account so we can know for sure uh, which day he's talking about. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. But the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So notice, we know they're not talking about a Sunday because the Pharisees would have had no issue. They didn't keep Sunday as the Sabbath. In fact, if you go back to when Jesus was crucified, because the Sabbath drew on, in other words, it was a Friday, uh, we call it Good Friday, that Jesus was crucified, they wanted to make sure to keep the Sabbath holy. So they wanted to make sure all the men came down from the cross. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. And so the soldier took the spear and placed it in the side to make sure. And water and blood came from out. And so we know that that day could not have been uh, Sunday. Because we also know that the Bible says that on the first day of the week, Jesus came out of the tomb. So we know that the Sabbath here in Mark 2, 27 is not referring to a Sunday. The Bible says that therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Where can we find that the Lord is God of the Sabbath? Let us go to Exodus chapter 20 and we're going to get our answer. You see, that's why we got to study the Bible, my friends. Um, line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. Let's see where God says that the Sabbath is the Lord's. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So notice that the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Now let's look at verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So hence why Jesus could say that 
the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath because he's referring to Exodus chapter 20 verse 10 where it says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Nothing new under the sun, my friends. The Lord's day is not Sunday. It is specifically clear, very clear, crystal, that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. That's the only day we find attached to the Lord's name as being his day. You know, Brother Edie, um, I like that you read those two texts. And I'm just going to add two more texts into, into our record today. The first one I want to go back and it's taken with that same thought with the Sabbath commandment. And I'm going to read it from a different point of view in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 12. It says, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. You hear what he said? Mm -hmm. You must keep the Sabbath Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God had commanded. Mm -hmm. He commanded you to do this. Mm -hmm. Then God says, The six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy um, ox, nor the donkey, nor any cattle, nor any stranger that is within thy gates, that, the, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. Mm -hmm. And remember that thou was a servant in the land of Egypt, mm -hmm. and that the Lord thy God brought thee out hands through the mighty hand and a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know what that means, Brother Edie? Mm -hmm. That means that the God has rescued you out of bondage. That's right. Of the bondage of sin, and He commanded you to come back and have a day you can recommend. I'm rep I'm the Remember the day that he has brought you out of what? Sin. Mm -hmm. And people mm -hmm. have to realize that God is telling you, say, come out of this, come and worship on the Sabbath, because he's trying to take you away from sin, mm -hmm. the bondage of sin. That's why the Lord, when we read inside in Luke, Mark chapter 2, and you talk about, um, and you talk about the Lord of the God, he says, um, he's the Lord of the Sabbath and all, etc. He's letting you that he's the one who wants to have a communion with you. And this is the day that you meet God. You cannot meet God on Sunday, Let me reiterate, you, you actually can, but God specified a day. See, because a lot of people say, right. you know, I could worship God any other day, which is true, but God told you to show up on a particular day. And that's like, you know, um, your boss at work tell you show up Monday morning bright and early, 8 o'clock. Well, you could show up any other day, right? But your boss told you 8 o'clock Monday morning. You show up 8 o'clock. Wednesday morning and see if you're gonna have a job. You see, we, we, we can look at it from a man's point of view, but God's point of view, we think we could just give him anything and think he's gonna be satisfied. No, if, if your boss will not sat be satisfied with what showing up on another day that he chose, what about God? He specifically said the seventh day. He didn't mince words. He didn't say on a day. He said the seventh. And take it a little further. Um and capitalizing that what you just said, God has he point this day for you and him to have an opportunity to commune. This is his day that he has sanctified and certified and also to make you holy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It goes on further that and people think that I'm not gonna keep the Sabbath. They wanna run away from the Sabbath. They wanna they don't want to obey God's commandment. They don't want to listen to God. But listen to what God says here in Isaiah chapter sixty six, verse twenty three to verse twenty twenty two and twenty three. He says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I which I will make shall remain before me, said the Lord. So shall your seeds and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from what one new moon mm -hmm. to another, from one Sabbath to another, 
shall all flesh come to worship before me, said the Lord. Amen. And, and new heavens and new earth. And, and, just, and just to be clear, um, the phraseology from one new moon to the next means month. Okay, um, we have a lunar cycle that follows each month. And we know that a new moon rep um, uh, signifies a new month. And so God is saying from one month to another. So we should have a cycle of time in the new heaven and the new earth. And then you find from one Sabbath to another, there's seven days a week. And so each week, monthly, we're going to worship the Lord thy God in the new heavens and the new earth. And if you go into Second Peter, this earth will be met with fire and he will make it anew. And this is the new earth here in Isaiah, which he's alluding to. And so we know that in the new heavens and the new earth, we're still going to have time because the Sabbath will still exist. So in other words, Brother Edie, so if you don't worship God here on this earth, the true Sabbath, then how can you go in heaven and worship him on the, on the true Sabbath? Yeah, that's right. You have to practice it here. It starts here. And God is going to take you from here to heaven where it will continue uh, to be done. All right, so let us look at the fifth. E. The fifth commandment is the basis of all family relationships. This was the first commandment with promise. Read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. And it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So, you know, if we want to say, well, you know, that commandment was also done away with at the cross, then feel free children to disobey your parents. <laughs> you know, you could do whatever you want to them. You could, you could disrespect them, talk back to them, and you could, you could do anything you want if this law is also done away with, you know. No, we, we, we don't want that as a society. We want our children to be um, law-abiding children and citizens one day. We want them to do what is right, you know. Um, when our children steal, you know, sensible ch parents don't, Put a bumper stick up and say, oh, my child just stole someone else's item or, or possession. And, you know, like I'll be put a bumper stick on our car. Our child is now on the honor roll or the dean's list or whatever have you. We don't see stickers and trophies for when they do bad things. We want to discourage that and we sometimes punish them. And so when they do bad things. So if we'd say this law is also done away with um, or has been nailed to the cross, society is is free to run riot because you know there's difficulty now dealing with disobedient children you could just judge if this law was not binding upon humans uh, it would be rough and i have children so it would be rough this this is even a little broader than we like to mention very this goes even beyond just obeying our parents this goes on reporting this is the one that deals with our neighbors this is the commandment that deals with our neighbors this is the commandment that deals with our fellow men this is the commandment that deals with us related to us as human beings. Um, when you see someone that is older than you, they are like a parent. They are to be respected. And this is why the society has fallen apart, because we no longer respect our elders. And we know what's happened when you don't respect our elders. We have chaos. We have family breakdown. And we have disobedience. But we need to realize that when we honor our parents and we take the time out to do right by our parents, it's the God's blessings that comes to us. And, and Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 says that children, obey your parents in all things. 
but this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you obey your parents or when you have manners, this is this in the bottom line, just it, it capitalize parents, but when you break it down and you go through the whole logistics of this whole uh, patches, you understand that this means manners. Have respect for those that are older than you. Yeah, and just for a side note, um, when it says obey your parents and all things, for this is right, we're talking about godly parents and we're talking about persons who are godly or has um, moral good principles and value. We're not talking about persons who say go there and steal this or go there and do this and do that, which goes against the laws of the land and even the laws of God. We're talking about doing things that are, are right or righteous uh, and pleasing not only to God, but to your fellow man. Um, verse 4 of Ephesians 6 says this, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we're looking at persons whom not just because they're older or whatever, but we're looking at them in the light that uh, they um, have good moral values, high moral standards, or even godly principles that they themselves live by that want to do right by children. Because you got persons out there who can't be abusive towards children. And so um, we're not looking at it in that extreme. But we say to those who are in abusive homes, um, give everything to the Lord, you know, um, and pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. And at the same time, do all things according to as God would be pleased with you. And because um, we know that if, like you were saying, we want to make sure that we are manly in all things. So um, we find where um, the Hebrew boys were obedient to the laws of the land until it came against the laws of God. And then they stood for the laws of God and was vindicated by the Lord showing up into the flames of the fiery furnace and was um, took his stance with those who kept God's law even upon the penalty of death. And so sometimes we may have to stand and not do things that are not right uh, and just suffer the consequences and God reward your faithfulness. Let us look at J. Jesus exalted the binding claims of the sixth commandment. Let us read Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 and 22 and then we're going to compare that with 1 John 3.15. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 and 22. It reads, You have heard that it was said by them of all time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without his cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of the hell fire. First uh, John 3.15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So shall we now say that uh, commandment number six is no longer binding? Uh, we could imagine the bloodshed that would be in the streets today if this law was no longer binding upon the, the covenant that God uh, gave unto Moses on Mount Sinai and even beyond that because we know that Cain was the first human murderer. But we know that Satan is the first created uh, being who murdered. According to scripture, he was a murderer from the beginning. And so, 
we know that there are persons who may have suffered the loss of loved ones because of these type of um, heinous crimes perpetuated and um, we have laws of the lands that penalizes persons whom are found um, guilty of such crimes and so we know that they are upon the books in most of our countries i hope in all of our countries just judge the law of god who will not as um, we read in first john 3 15 says that though murderer hath eternal life in him so for those who are living that 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 lifestyle whether you're a hitman or you uh, were angry at somebody and you took their life or or you know even abuse put towards animals now repent today and jesus came to save you from all sin and he's he can forgive the murderer just as he can forgive someone who lies but you have to know in your heart that jesus loves you and care for you and die for you according to romans 5 8 while you will react a murderer the Bible says Christ died for you. I mean, it doesn't say murder, but you could just plug your sin in that sentence. Because while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. I, I just want to say one thing. Um, one of the challenges that we have in society is hate. And people don't know how far hate can take us into committing hideous crimes. I know it's hard to heal when somebody do you wrong. I know it's hard to want to, to not take revenge for when somebody does something wrong to you. And we all want to get revenge. But you know, when God deals with a situation, it's well done. Mm -hmm. And we don't understand. The, look at the Apostle Paul. Could it be that this thing would, Christians could take the attitude and say, we could want to kill Paul for what he has done. And maybe they may have said that. You never know. What he has done to Stephen. Look what he, how he turned around his life when he met God. See, we have to have the hope that keep praying for the individualized wrongness. And I know I have not really experienced a situation like that. But I'm praying with God's strength that I will not have hate in my heart. Because when you have hate in your heart, you are killing the poison daily. And the more you cover that hate, the more you're leaning towards doing something wrong and numbers 35 says like this the vengeance of blood in himself shall slay the murderer when he meted him he shall slay him but when you slay somebody with vengeance guess what happens it comes back to you because the people come back they want to hunt you mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we have to build up in our hearts a love even when someone do us wrong we must be faithful enough to show mercy to show compassion and say god Forgive them, for they know not what they have done. Yeah, you know, it may sound so, you know, we might be talking and you might be saying to yourself, yeah, it's easy for you to say, but your loved one wasn't this as you indicated. And, and, your, and your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or your baby, you know, or your pet, you know, uh, was maliciously um, 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 or brutally killed. We're not asking you to find strength in yourself. We know it isn't there. As, you, as Brother Colin just read from Numbers chapter 19, and you can take that even to verse um, 24, or even the rest of the chapter, actually. We're asking you to find hope in Christ. You know, as Christ's life was taken upon the cross, well, you know, as he was betrayed into the hands of sinners to be, to be crucified, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
because their minds were controlled by Satan, as we learned that it was Satan whom encouraged Ananias and Sapphira to lie. And the same demon, same enemy of God, puts into the heart of men and women to take the lives of innocent people or even animals and cruelty. And so we're asking to find strength in Christ, not in yourself, because it's not going to be there. The spirit of revenge is going to want to play its role and to get its ugly head and, and, and reveal itself. So we're asking you to find strength and hope in Christ and let him take it away only as only he can. And so that's what we're encouraging you today, to find hope and, and, and faith and strength, not in you, but in, in, but in Christ Jesus. Let us look at... Just before you go, buddy, yeah. I just want to add one more point onto that. Uh-huh. Um, I want our audience to understand that, and I totally agree with what you say, and I'm glad that you brought it up. You have to realize that when you take revenge, Satan is trying to take you out. So that grievous anger or revenging spirit that he's building up inside you, he's using that same method to get you wiped out and lose, not just lose of here, but lose of for eternity. We are on the business. We are trying to help you realize that God is trying to save you for eternity. And though along the way, you might be able to help someone by your grace and your mercy. Um, just to put a seal on that statement, um, if you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, says this, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. And so as Brother Colin was saying, as the scripture um, backs him in what he says, you can be angry, but the Bible says sin not. And so don't let that anger settle in your mind to perpetuate a law against the land and the law of God. To find revenge, to take someone else's life because of what someone has done to you. Or maybe they've done you wrong. Maybe they've cut you short on your pay. Or maybe they're in your territory and selling things that they ought not. And you know how we ward nowadays, especially the criminals. You know, you in my territory selling drugs or whatever. Or, or, or marijuana. And you know, I, I don't want you making my money. You know, we seek to take someone else's life or um, wives who want to put a hit on their 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 husbands or husbands, their wives, and they um, hire these hitmen to do these things. My friends, don't let the devil fool you. Sin will not be tolerated by God in any in its marriage. And so things may make us angry. The Bible admonishes us not to let the sun go down upon our wrath. Talk to somebody. Talk, and if you can't find somebody, talk to Christ about it. Talk to Jesus, and let it help you. It, it may sound cliche, but my friends, we're telling you, we all go through things sometimes. But go to the Lord in prayer, and let Him take away the burden. You know, because only Him could give you the solace that you need. Yes, yeah, let's go to G, and it says, the last four could not be cast aside. Each is essential, and. The more closely we observe these commands through the power of Christ, the more peace, joy, happiness, love, and power we will have. Read Psalms 119 verse 97 and then verse 165. So let's look at those, those two texts. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. In 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. 
So that's only that's only something that God can give. Only something God can give, my friends. It says great peace. And the Bible talks about that the Lord will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. So that's not something that we can find within. You know, um, that's something only God can give us. You know, so we have to rely upon Him for that. hundred percent. I better um we have to realize that when you come to Christ, Christ gives you peace. Mm-hmm. One blind. When you obedient in God's law, the peace that He's talking about that He's talking about the peace that will keep you from harm. The peace obey obedience. When you obey God's law, you find that your life have a different outlook, and you will no longer find yourself doing. Things like stealing, disobeying parents, you're not covered, and you will honor the Lord, and you will keep the Sabbath. You know, for me, by keeping the Sabbath, the peace and the tranquility that I get on the Sabbath is unbelievable. The burden, the stress of the whole week and the challenges is not there. And to sit down and listen to the Word of God is like sweet savior to my bones. You see, the law of God have a way of settling your mind. And when you rest in the Lord, you are now resting your mind in His Word and the reassurance of His Word. We have a challenge in this life. That challenge is sin. And sin trying to take us out by death. But if we believe in God, God gives us the reassurance and the peace of mind that we can overcome sin. That we can overcome the trials. We can overcome the Turbulations that we face, we can overcome the anger, we can overcome covetousness, we can overcome stealing, we can overcome lying, we can overcome. This is what the Lord does for us. It takes away those foul lips of ours and make it pure. Mm-hmm. It takes away those unholy spirit that is inside us and give us a whole, give us a blessing of a sanctified heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the peace that God is trying to give to us. But we have to be willing to believe the word of God and take hold of the peace that's surpassed all understanding. Let us look at a final um, point on point H. And it says, God's law is not the yoke of bondage. It is called the law of liberty. Read James 125. So we're going to read that into record. It says, James 125 says, mm-hmm. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and can continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. Amen. So we know according to Romans 7 12, uh, we know that the law, uh, there's no fault with God's law. For Paul says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. And so. James sums it up and call it the perfect law of liberty. Wherewith, like Brother Colin was just saying, there's perfect peace. You know, you, you're not outside the will of God, but you are in the will of God. Jesus said it best himself in John chapter uh, 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you see, the, the condition is if you love him. And if you love him, you will do that which is pleasing to his sight, as he stated in John 15 verse 10 I'm going to read from verse from verse 9 it says actually from verse 8 herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples as the father have loved me so 
have I loved you? Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Because remember we read earlier uh, in Matthew chapter 4, when Satan tempted Jesus to break the commandment of God by bowing unto him. And Jesus says it is written. And so we know what was written is also found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 17. You can also find it in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's, it's reiterated again. And so we know that the law of God brings peace and liberty, not bondage. See, we're free to do things, but we choose not to because we love our Lord. You know, we, we, we can steal if we want, if we wish, and we know the consequences. But we know that the Lord says, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal. And so because we don't want to bring a bad name to him, because we are God's people, because we are his children, we don't want to take his name in vain and acting out of character than our Lord himself. And so Jesus didn't break any commandments. Why should we? And that's what the devil do, my friends. He tempts us to sin. He tempts us to go away from God's law, as we just read about um, being angry and sinning not, and not giving place unto the devil to tempt us to do wrong. And so, my friends, I encourage you to stand, stand with God. Yes, it might be rough, and it's not always easy to swim against the tide, but with God, you can rest assured that even though you may swim against the tide, He'll get you safely to the shore. And so, we want to. Um, Conclude here and pick up uh, in part two of this topic. We're going to um, ask Brother Colin to close us off with a word of prayer. Brother Colin. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this blessing. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the word that gives us liberty, that gives us peace, that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for what God has already done in our life and the strength and the encouragement that you have done. Let us be hold fast and let us stay strong. As we continue to serve Him and as we continue to walk with Him, we know that it's not going to be perfect and we know that we come short. We ask God to forgive us of our failings and give us the strength to keep moving forward. We only can do this with His with Son, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you want to contact us, you can do so um, by email at hearttoheartministries242 at gmail.com they will be delighted to hear from you also if you want to view or listen to our po uh, previous podcast you can go to our youtube channel type into the search engine heart to heart 242 there you find all of our content you can subscribe so you don't miss any more of our future uploads and also if you like the content please give it a thumbs up and share it if you believe it also, you can hear us uh, this podcast via Anchor by typing in also um, Heart to Heart 242. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. So, for myself, Brother Edie, and for my co host, Brother Colin, we say until next time, Maranatha.